Hi, you're listening to The Dive, brought to you by Living Word Press, starting right now. Hi, welcome back to The Dive. I'm back with Dr. Josh Waltman, Dr. Gary Yates. I'm your host, Brett Yates. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas time. We got a good Christmas question for this week and next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the virgin birth. It's something that I think it's brought up a lot, but not in a lot of depth. Uh, so first question, what is the virgin birth and its significance uh, theologically? Right. Yeah, we uh, are highlighting the virgin birth and how this relates to the person of Christ. But um, yeah, yeah, Gary Burge, I mean, let me just read a couple of quotes from him. He says, uh, if Jesus was not virgin born, then he was not the son of God. And if he was not the son of God, then he was just another crucified man and not the sacrifice that would redeem the sins of the world. And then he sort of concludes this by saying, put in jeopardy the virgin birth and Christianity simply becomes a human gesture instead of a divine revelation. So we have these uh, statements and uh, you know the part of the, the Christmas story in both Matthew and Luke where it's clear that there's a virginal conception here. Is it really that important? Is it really that significant? Well, I, th- I think so. And in part because it's not just the fact that Jesus incarnates, that we have the God-man, but it's also a, important in terms of trying to reveal to us, God is revealing to us some significant factors that, you know, that go into this theologically. You already sort of referenced fully God, fully man. And we think, okay, how could have God have revealed that to us. He could have snapped his fingers and had a 35-year-old Jesus appear before Pilate ready to be crucified, and that would have been that, and he would have been fully God, fully man that way. But as it turns out, uh, the Lord saw fit to give us revelation in terms of a, a context in which he's teaching, he has a ministry, he's growing. Even as he is man, he is actually growing in the course of his lifetime. Um, and so that context goes all the way back to the very first stage of his life, and that is the very beginning, the virgin birth itself, we see something communicated about the very identity of Christ. We see fully God, fully man. The Spirit is ensuring uh, that you've got full deity, and through Mary, he has full humanity. And so why is that important? Well, in part, so that we could understand that very concept, fully God, fully man. God didn't have to reveal it that way, but he did, because I can't personally think of any better picture to communicate that idea. Right. So this is not just, uh, wow, we have these incredible bookends at the beginning and end of the life of Jesus. We have the virgin birth, pretty spectacular way to start the story. Then we have the resurrection at the end. Uh, the, the virgin birth is actually integral, uh, central to who Jesus is. Right. Uh, he's not just a, a man who later becomes the son of God. He's not just appearing to be a man. He's fully God, fully human. So all that the Christian church was working out and, and, and coming to an understanding of who Jesus is, these two natures, deity, humanity, joined together in one person, um, but, but yet not mixed or mingled together in any way, all of that ultimately goes back to what happened with the virgin birth. Yeah, you know, and you're, you're putting some uh, reference points in there. You know, Jesus is not like God who put on, you know, human suit or something like that. It's not spacesuit theology, as some would say. Just, and he also didn't just appear to be human. He right. He, was. he was actually human. Right. And, you know, you say, OK, well, why is that important? And I think that that's part of what we're getting to here. It's, it's important that he's human in part because we're going to say that he's the perfect representative of all humankind. You know, he's providing for us an example or model for how we should then live a life pleasing before God. He's going to be 
um, you know, our head in the same way or a similar way that Adam, you know, had headship over the human race when he sinned, he's going to be our head. And in Christ, we can be redeemed. Uh, and so this is sort of preparing the way in his humanity. And you say, okay, does the Bible really teach that? Well, when you start to look at the data points of Scripture, what we see very quickly is he, he has weakness. You know, he, he, he needs to rest. He needs to eat. He gets tired. He gets weary. He, has, he anguishes, and he marvels in a couple of those verses. And so in his humanity, he's human in every way, uh, and he does not have any sin. And we'll talk about the sinlessness in another episode, but the humanity of Christ is important. And then secondarily, the deity of Christ is important. Right. And so, you know, I don't know if you want to speak to the, to the deity piece here. Yeah, it, it, Philippians, when it talks about the incarnation, will talk about Jesus uh, emptying himself. Uh, that is not saying that, that the, the Son of God emptied himself of his attributes of deity. He, right. he emptied himself of his heavenly glory or the independent use of his attributes as a, as a human and those kinds of things. But as he was human... Uh, he remained fully God. And uh, I just think about that again from beginning to end in the life of Jesus uh, as, as deity combined with uh, uh, humanity. Right. He fully experienced um, what it was like to be born. And uh, obviously when we go to the end of the life of Jesus and he dies, uh, God didn't die. Uh, you know, deity is immortal and all those kinds of things. But at the same time, uh, being a deity, being joined to humanity in that way, uh, God experienced from the inside uh, of a person what death is like. And so he fully embraced the human experience, but as God. Right. So, I mean, in, in his deity, we're talking about the God-man, right? And so when we talk about incarnation, it's the God-man. He is the mediator between man and God in a perfect sense. I mean, what kind of mediator could could take on that work, well, it would truly be someone that has both natures. And so to kind of trace this theologically here, you've got Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, three persons in one Godhead or essence there. And then the second person, uh, the Son, is taking on flesh. So in, in a similar way, we've got this spiritual union that's occurring in the three persons of the Godhead. Something spiritual and marvelous and wonderful is occurring when you've got two natures in one person, namely the second person of the Godhead. So Jesus is taking on flesh. He's not you know, laying down his deity. He's taking on flesh. He's adding to it right. humanity. It's not a subtraction for the Son of God. It's an addition of that human nature. Right. And it's important, right? So we would say, on the one hand, full deity ensures things like he can receive worship. He can forgive. Um, he can be the eschatological king over the nations for all time because he's eternal. Uh, full humanity, he can, he can represent humankind. He can die. He can take on the sins of the world in that way, in, at least in his death. In his deity, he can actually take on the wrath of God and, with, and, and, and actually withstand it and, and pay the price and provide atonement. Uh, we, we would say, as you've already referenced, those two natures can't mix together because if they did, and this is important in church history, if they did, then that would create sort of a third hybrid nature that's neither God nor man. So that's problematic. And they also can't be so distinct from one another that they're no longer unified in one person. Because if we said that, Jesus is kind of like a schizophrenic. He's got multiple personalities and things. But when Jesus talks about himself in the New Testament, 
He says, I, not we. So there's a, there's a unity to the person of Christ, the God-man, uh, that's really an incredible thing. And in some ways, it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual union that we really can't fully understand. But in all of this, God provides a really incredible way to, to give us redemption. So the, the, the full joining of deity and humanity in the incarnation. Um, and, and so this, we, we start to see like the virgin birth is really the door mm-hmm. that opens up our understanding of just the miracle of the incarnation. Right. Um, everywhere that the humanity of Jesus was while he was here on earth, in every moment, every experience of life, his deity was there. Right. And yet in such a way that he remains fully God, mm-hmm. His humanity was not everywhere that his deity was. So while the incarnation is going on, Jesus lying you know, in the manger in Bethlehem, he's still the eternal son of God who is holding all things together that were created. And as, as he, as he you know, is uh, the incarnate son of God is dying on the cross, God, he is still God giving breath to those that are cursing him or the Roman soldiers that are nailing the spike. It, it just, wow, the, 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 just amazing miracle that's taking place in all of this. The virgin birth is, is key to that. Well, and likewise, because of the, the, the imagery of the virgin birth, the reality of the virgin birth and all the theology that it entails, like it, it would be true to say that Jesus, the God-man, accomplished all that was necessary in order for us to be redeemed by atoning for our sins in his death. You know, what's true of... One nature, we could say, is accomplished according to both. It's not like they're compartmentalized from one another. The God-man died for us. And so uh, that's why we can say that the incarnation matters, and because the incarnation matters, the virgin birth matters. Right. And the virgin birth leads us to this, this passage. In t- there's one mediator between God and man, the right. man Christ Jesus, and this is how God made that come about. Amen. So I think we looked at this from the perspective of you know, fully God, fully man. I want to add one more perspective. Okay. Kind of one more question to this. So looking at it from Mary's perspective, does she have a choice here? Uh, and I know Gabriel and Luke, I think comes and, you know, kind of tells her, Hey, you're going to be pregnant, but what's kind of her choice in this and uh, kind of justifying God's actions from that side? Well, I'd, I'd want to say that she's chosen. I mean, she's chosen for this great honor. And it seems like she's, she's a willing participant in that way. Um, so whether or not, you know, I think what we can say is that God fully knew what Mary's response was going to be and all of the variables and all of that. And we could go into a deep dive there. And I think we will at a future episode in terms of how free, free choice and sovereignty come together. But I do think at the very least, we can say God knew fully exactly how Mary was going to respond. And, and he chose her for this task. And that choice had a lot of components to it on, on God's end. I mean, there's, there's a lineage that comes into play that really mattered. It's not just lineage, though. It's also a cultural moment that's been being put together in the sovereignty of God. You know, all of the things that go on in Jesus's life, everything has come to a head through thousands of years of prophecy and through thousands of year, years of political environment that's been brewing and so forth. Like the way that God you know, put this together is just masterful. And so, you know, everything about this is deliberate on God's end. 
Now, as to whether or not Mary decided, uh, maybe that's a question for another time. I don't know if you want to chime in on that. I, I think her role is just uh, the faith that she has uh, in the promise that God makes. And uh, she, she, she does respond to God's initiative in a way that honors him. And I think right. that's what's important about her role there. Yeah, and I don't think that means that we need to venerate Mary or anything like that. Uh, and I certainly don't think that that means she's, you know, if, if, if Jesus is the second Adam, that she's the second Eve or something like some, some Catholics might say. Uh, I don't think we need to go there from anything that we're, we're sort of uh, articulating here. Okay. Anything else, guys? I think we're good. Okay. Join us back next week. We'll continue the discussion on the virgin birth with uh, kind of the sin nature and God nature and all those things. So we look forward to having you there. Thank you for diving in with us. We'll see you back here next time.